Hello and welcome to another episode of Run to the Hills. I'm Chris Bland and unfortunately, once again, we are without Tim Taylor, who is, as we speak, spending his last few days pootling around the Lake District. Seems to be having a fantastic time. So once again, we're going to get straight into the show. Um, This week we are interviewing, or I'm interviewing, Ruth Keeley. Um, a fell runner and trail runner who some of you might know through her Instagram account of Fell Run Like a Girl. Ruth's really cool. She does an amazing blog that I've been reading for quite a long time now. Um, again, called Fell Run Like a Girl. And really, I just wanted to chat to her about a passion for fell running and a sort of about the equality that we want to see in our sport. So, without further ado, here's Ruth. My name's Ruth Keeley, um, also known as Fell Run Like a Girl, and I'm a fell and trail runner based in Derbyshire. Awesome. And talk to us about how you first got into fell running. Ooh, um, I'll try and give you the shorter version. I oh, you can make start- it as long as you like, as long as it's reasonable, <laughs> I suppose. Okay. I started how I think maybe most people start um, on roads and kind of getting into running as a way to keep fit and I was unemployed after university and was kind of twiddling my thumbs around the house I thought I'll just go for some runs and ran for about 10 minutes and then was absolutely exhausted but kind of built up to it from there and you know entered the odd 10k and then the odd half marathon and then um, moved moved to Derbyshire and someone introduced me to off-road running and it was it was a real shock to the system at first I found it much much harder than road running just dealing with the terrain and more hills um I've been running in Nottingham that's super flat um but then that was it really the more I did the more I loved it and started to do the odd race and that was it no turning back from there but you've gone from was that over a relatively short time frame then from starting running to racing um yeah it probably was really I mean I did a little bit of running at school and it was always my favorite like PE athletics was always my favorite activity um but yeah sort of went from just doing it to keep fit to someone at work suggesting why don't you do the Derby 10k and that was it I didn't really take it very seriously I wasn't like massively training or anything but um yeah I found I found that entering races was a good motivator to keep running and keep training so yeah and then how did you sort of progress from a road 10k onto fell running? How was it all like fell racing, I suppose it'd be? Though? Yeah, it was one of my friends. We'd done the Derby 10k and then they were doing an off-road um, 10k around somewhere like Kettleston Hall, which is like a stately home with grounds. So I thought, yeah, I'll do that. Oh my God. And it absolutely killed me. Just struggled so much making the transition and thought I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Were you doing that um, in road in like road slick trainers as well? Yeah, just just yeah. what I had. Just I didn't know anything about off-road running. I didn't know anything about fell running at all. Um and did that and thought, yeah, I'm never doing it again. And then I, it was probably it was a few years later actually that I sort of did dabble with it again and did someone talk me into doing I don't know if you've heard of it, it's the Dovedale Dash. Yeah. Which yeah, it's quite fairly iconic and like massively popular race, like one of the most popular fell races I've ever done. Yet sort of thousands of people there, which is unusual. Um, and did that and was just like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> There's nothing like this on a road race. And yeah, that was it really. I was hooked. What is it? You see, 
Phil running was the big thing that I wanted to give a crack at um, for this summer. I, as people, if anyone's listened to this, I go on and on about it. I find it just mad. The fact that people just absolutely hurl themselves down the side of hills and then run up <laughs> things that basically should be dedicated solely to mountain goats. Um, so <laughs> Some what of them I, are half mountain goat, I think. These yeah, yeah, I think all the best are. So it's just, I'm always really fascinated to hear what it is that, from other people's perspective that sort of draws them into that side of the sport what hurling themselves downhill well like <laughs> yeah pretty much what is it about fell running that you really like enough to sort of at least claim an instagram name of it do you know what i mean that real <laughs> and write a blog about <laughs> it and what is it that draws you back in each time I think it's it's a lot of things. It's a lot different to road running. And I think I'd almost classify them as two different... They're definitely two different disciplines, not two yeah. different sports yeah. maybe, but they're very, very different. And I like the fact that most fell races are much more low-key. I mean, they're competitive at the front, don't get me wrong. There's some incredible athletes. But you generally turn up, chuck a fiver at someone who's you know, sat at a table in a village hall or outside a pub or somewhere... And there's loads of banter on the start line. Everyone's dead friendly. It's you don't really get that kind of elitist sort of vibe at all. And then you run up a big hill, you run back down the other side. You're somewhere amazing and stunning scenery to enjoy, which for me is better than running around the streets of a city. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, at, at, yeah, and then at the finish, you get all the same banter again. Chat about the race, have a pint, have a cup of tea and a cake. And I mean, really, what's not to like? I always feel there's a bit of a, is it a juxtaposition, the right phrase of, it seems on the surface to be so intimidating. Because like you say, it's rough terrain, it's hard going, but it's such a, definitely a more supportive and friendly atmosphere than I've seen at a lot of like, even though it's something like a park run. Yeah, I think so. When I went to my first sort of proper race, kind of more on my own, um, I was really nervous. I didn't really know what to expect. I wasn't a terrible runner, but I kind of thought I'm probably going to come last, you know, because I'm going to have to walk up every single hill I get to. Um, I'm, you know, I was really nervous, but I, I, I didn't come last. And this I was going to say, I bet you didn't come anywhere near last. I didn't know. No, I just didn't know what to expect. And I think people, people think that it's, it's really hard. I often see people asking the question, how would I get into fell running? You know, where do I even start? It's so difficult. And it, it's, it's not necessarily, there's some tough events, but they're also, they're graded. So if you pick something that's a bit more entry level, you'll be amazed at the people you see on the start line from all walks of life, all different age groups, and everyone's really welcoming. Um, and that's the main thing. And, you know, if you fall, someone will stop and help you up. It's just a nice kind of supportive, like you said, atmosphere. So if you were to answer your own question, what's the advice that you do give to people when they're asking that question? It's to just give it a go and not kind of overthink it too much. You know, at the end of the day, it's just running, but it just happens to include maybe some mud and some hills. And I think people worry that maybe they're not fit enough to run all the way up to the top of the hill. And, you know, not many people are, or it's not actually advisable to, you know, a, a good power walk to the top of the steepest hill can be a real, real advantage. Um, so it's just, yeah, not to overthink it and just embrace it and go and enjoy it. You'll love it. I can guarantee. I do think that's worth repeating. It is the dirty secret of all sort of fell a trail and all that sort of ultra running is everybody walks at some point. 
I would say, yeah. I've, yeah, ninety percent or ninety-nine or whatever. Yeah, maybe the the very elite. But then I, I, I've watched the um, sort of world mountain running championships, which are obviously the the best of the best, and even they run. Uh, sorry, they walk up some of the steepest parts. So I it do not feel sense, bad at all. It does make sense. You can we can walk past someone running who's running next to you, and I can think, well, I'm kind of saving a bit of energy by uh, by walking while you're still like hopping up and down trying to run. So it's. I can yeah. also say, as someone that's been overtaken while by someone walking while running, it is absolutely heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you quickly think, yeah, maybe I should be power walking too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, and the second part of what I wanted to oh, actually, while I'm onto it, is there any obviously with fell running, you've got a lot of um oh what's the word essential kit um oh what's the phrase they use mandatory kit mandatory kit that was going to eat me alive um people (laughs) sort of that you have to take obviously yeah it does it's not much kit and some of it it can range from being very 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 expensive to really pretty reasonable because like i say it's just running is there anything that you think early on is worth sort of splurging out and getting something a bit prettier for um, you obviously need something to put all the kit in and that's going to be something that you use a lot. So some kind of waist pack or backpack um, and the prices vary. You know, you could get something from a, a big sort of sports store that's cheaper than maybe something sort of really specialist. But you're going to probably get quite a lot of use for that, even if you if you use it on a race with all your essential kit in it. That's great, but you'll probably use it on training runs to carry drinks and food and various things. So it's worth getting yourself a decent bag to put all that stuff in. But to the the mandatory kit includes things like waterproofs, full kind of body cover, and that also can be really expensive. But you can also get away with something you know fairly cheap from like millets as a as a entry level, and you might find that that's okay depending on kind of what events. As you get into the bigger, more serious events. And you want lighter kit that's when you probably want to start thinking about spending some money um that's where you'll make the savings on weight and things have you got a bag recommendation that you're using at the moment oh i've got various things <laughs> so much kit that you just kind of start to accumulate i've got a really nice waste pack um an innovate waste pack that fits all of my mandatory kit in really nicely and doesn't like jiggle around too much uh, and I've got an ultimate direction rucksack uh, backpack type vest that if I've got a bit more kit, um, if I'm out for a, a longer run, I can squish a bit more into there. But there's so much choice out there. Um, it's good to go and like try a few things out if you can at a, a running shop. And my last sort of question on this and really quick, is there any particular races that you've done that you think are really great for beginners or people looking to get into it? Um, it'd be a case of, obviously it depends where you live, most of the running I do is around the Peak District, which actually might be a good place to start if you sort of, if you look at a lot of the races in the Lake District, you know, the hills are a hell of a lot bigger out there and, you know, a lot tougher events, whereas the peaks, don't get me wrong, we've got some, definitely some good inclines, but um, it's slightly more forgiving terrain, so have a look on the the Fell Runners Association website, lists all the events, and it also has the gradings. And so that they're graded on how steep they are, how long they are, that sort of thing. So you can pick one that's you know not as steep and not as long, and then you'll know it's perhaps suitable for a beginner. So Ruth, well, the second thing I wanted to chat to you about quickly today was 
about you've done a lot on your blog, which people can find at uh failrunlikeagirl.wordpress.com perfect and heavily recommend um, <laughs> thank you a couple of your blogs you've done and a few posts you've done on instagram lately has been on sort of I, I don't know what the phrase would be partly representation of women in running and partly just fairness of and things that seem so ridiculously outdated like different cross-country distances yeah I didn't realize is a thing that um, you're yeah. better explaining this one than me. It's a thing. Yeah. So in a lot of cross country events, certainly in England, I think it might be different in Scotland, um, but in England anyway, men and women, yeah, run different distances. So the men uh, run slightly further than the women, um, which I and a lot of other people definitely don't understand because obviously any other race you go to, there's not a shorter distance for women. You enter a 10K, you all run 10K. Um, so it's just an outdated system um, from years ago that they've just never bothered to change. And the reasoning is always a little bit woolly, like, oh, we wouldn't have time to have all, all those events on the day, you just throw everything out. Women don't want to run that sort of distance, et cetera, et cetera. When, you know, the kind of general consensus is, yeah, we probably would be okay running that distance. Or maybe you could just equalize it by bringing the men's, you know, slightly shorter and increasing the women's to meet in the middle. So then there's time for everyone to. Also, the irony of the plethora of ridiculously, ridiculously fast ultra distance women. Yeah, I mean, you've got people. It doesn't make any sense. They think it'd put women off, but, you know, you've got people like Beth Pascal, who's just, you know, smashed the female Bob Graham record. You know, it, it just, it beggars belief when there's these, all these superstars kind of coming out of the woodwork that can do these distances and compete, you know, against the men. It, it just, there's no argument for it, really. And part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you about it is because you've actually had, there was... It was, what was it? It was the Erie. Oh, I'm going to pronounce it terrible and then come across all. That's the one. Oh, I was even there with that one. Um, <laughs> and the Om Mountain Race. Yeah. You actually got in touch and made a difference with that. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm sort of not going to claim all the credit because I think we're going to claim been... most of the credit for Ruth. Okay. Let's claim the credit. It was all down to me. I'm really pleased. <laughs> no. um, yeah. So I, Someone I'd been talking about um, equality of distances and prize structures and someone had pointed a couple of them out to me and I'd, so I'd gone and had a look. Um, so yeah, Marathon Erie, they didn't have an equal prize structure. So they offered prizes for the first 10 men to finish and the first five women to finish. And I looked at that and thought, okay, that to me doesn't seem right. If you introduce a prize structure like that so you have one for men and one for women you're kind of already saying there's two separate events going on within this race there's a men's race and a women's race that's why we're offering these two separate prizes okay so why wouldn't you offer equal prizes and i thought i know what they're probably gonna say is that more men enter anyway so i contacted them to, to, just to find out why what their reasoning was and that was the reason why more men entered the race on average, so they felt that that was a fair way to divvy up the prizes. And to me, that wasn't fair because 
historically more men do enter races. I think the gap is getting smaller and smaller as time goes on, but it's a historical hangover from when, you know, women didn't have as much free time to participate in things like this. Maybe they were the homemaker, they had the kids to look after. It just wasn't traditionally something that would have been, they would have been encouraged to do. Whereas now, now obviously times have changed, things are a lot different. More women do want to enter these races and run. Um, so numbers are, are starting to grow. So you know, I had a chat with them about it. They went off and spoke to their committee. And then for the following year, the the prizes were equalized so it was the top five men and the top five women will be awarded prizes from from now on which you know is brilliant and all credit to them for for reacting immediately um i think it's it's brilliant That's yeah brilliant, yeah i think as yeah. well we should definitely be saying if you see something that you're unhappy with in a situation like that get in touch with people because a lot of time i I don't think it's, it's not meanness, is it? It's just something no. that's happened from a long time ago and then yeah. they've never changed it because it's never crossed their mind to rather it's, than negligence exactly. rather than malice. Yeah, and the race organiser for that was actually a woman and she'd organised it for a few years and she'd made some really incredible changes. You know, the women didn't used to get a, 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 a trophy in the same way that the men did or it was a lot smaller and she didn't think that was right and she'd implemented some really good things but I think with that it like you said it just hadn't maybe crossed their mind or they thought they were doing it in the right way and just hadn't thought of it in another way but asking the question then they did think about it again and thought oh yeah well maybe actually it's not right so yeah I I always think it's important to to ask in a you know polite <laughs> nice manner I don't yeah. want to be sort of in people's faces because people have got reasons for everything. And if you're reasonable with them, they'll be reasonable with you. And, and it's, yeah, it's like working together to try and improve things for everyone. So, I know with, um, if I was looking potentially for races to go to, I mean, I suppose it, I'm getting tongue tied here. What I was going to say is it's, if you've got high level people entering your race, male or female, you encourage, I feel like you encourage more people to enter it as well because people want to run alongside those people. They want to be at the same races. They want an opportunity to see them. And if you're not offering high level prizes for the top or unfair prizes for the top women, you're unlike, I would imagine you're not promoting it to it's going to be seen as you're not promoting it to women in the same way as you are to men yeah and it's true that if the prize structures aren't equal generally the elite women who you know that's how they make their living the the elite athletes is by traveling around the race circuit and getting prize money and sponsorship money so if a race doesn't offer an equal prize or you know a prize for women at all that the elites won't go and then therefore like you said that then becomes maybe unattractive to other women wanting to enter. And it, it, it just makes, it just looks awful. I wouldn't want to go to a race that operated like that, you know, out of protest more than anything. I've never encountered that in a UK race. And I, I think it's quite unusual, um, but it would definitely put me off. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Right. We're going to go from the very serious to the very lighthearted. Um, <laughs> This is our quick fire question round. So you can oh, no. answer them as slowly or as long windedly as you would like. I'll try and ask them at a relative speed, although I do often get distracted. First okay. question for you road or trail? Trail. Sun or rain? <laughs> Sun. 
hot or cold? Um, oh, hot. I'm not good in the cold. Good answer. Mus- <laughs> Favourite music to run to or audio books or podcasts, anything that you have in your headphones, if anything? I mean, I should say that the Chia Charge podcast, obviously, but actually oh, I don't, I, I don't listen. I, I listen to nothing when I, I don't have headphones when I run. I like to just sort of be at one with my thoughts and listen to what's around me. So no, absolutely nothing. That's, it. That's the best answer. Um, <laughs> how many pairs of trainers do you own? Oh my God. Um, I mean, I haven't counted them, but my shelf, my shelf under the stairs overfloweth with shoes. <laughs> I must have, well, I mean, it's not as bad as some people. 20 pairs, maybe? Oh, you're still nowhere near our top. I can't remember. I think it's like 60 or something outrageous. Oh, I don't think it's that, but it's, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's see if you can redeem yourself with this one. What's the longest you've gone without washing your running kit and still wearing it? Oh no, see this is payback because I've asked some quite well-known runners this same question and it's mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're like you're away maybe and you can't wash it, I've probably, maybe I've gone a week and worn it, maybe maybe four, four wears and it, then it starts to like crawl about on your bedroom floor and you're like, yeah, it needs to go in the wash now. That's <laughs> uh, pretty reasonable. I think the, the longest always seems to be from anyone that's been in Afghanistan. Anyone that's been in the RV is always like, yeah, about three years. And you're like, right, no one can really compete with that. Good. Um, (laughs) Okay, strangest thing you've seen on a run? Strangest thing I've seen on a run? Oh, I'm not sure. That that has stumped me. Hmm. No, I can't think of anything. It's too much on the spot. (laughs) Too much on the spot, don't worry. Sketchiest place you've been for a run? Sketchiest place? Um, gosh, it'd probably be somewhere. Well, I mean, if we're talking of off-road stuff, like some really icy paths up in the Lake District, where like one false move and you'd be like sliding down off the side of the hill, that can be a bit scary. Yeah, definitely had that experience before. Yeah, <laughs> probably shouldn't have done. So, last <laughs> question for you is best prize that you've seen. Doesn't necessarily have to be anything that you've won, but something that you've seen that caught your eye. <laughs> I won. I did actually win in a race um, a baguette and a jar of chutney, <laughs> which was so random, but it was really nice. <laughs> That's amazing. What was the chutney? Do you remember? Oh, it was something like like spicy tomato chutney yeah it was really good and like from a local baker's like yeah yeah everyone everyone got a baguette it was like the best prize ever (laughs) everyone got a baguette everyone who you know came first second or third damn it i was thinking this is my chance for free baguettes (laughs) Um, all right brilliant ruth that's been absolutely amazing thank you for that where's the best place people find you i think we've already probably said a few of them but say them again anyway just for people who weren't listening yep so i've got the blog um and but basically if you just stick fell run like a girl into twitter instagram google um it'll all come up Absolutely amazing. Guys, thank you again.